0: Um, so this morning we are kicking off a new series called "Bones." And you know, I'm really excited about it because I think um, often we can get really stuck in, t- in the New Testament a lot. And for whatever reason, many of us don't feel comfortable reading the Old Testament. Whether we find it too intimidating or too confusing or we just really, really want to focus on the Jesus stories. Um, Spoiler, Jesus is really kind of found everywhere throughout the Bible. Um, But I think this series will hopefully encourage you to maybe get a little bit more comfortable uh, in the Old Testament reading maybe these somewhat familiar stories, but maybe um, addressing them and looking at them with, with new eyes. So we're going to start from the very beginning, and so if, if you know the Bible um, at all, or maybe just through pop culture, you probably know who we're going to be talking about today. And if you guessed Adam and Eve, ding, 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 you're, you're right. And I know immediately when I looked at this scripture, you know, I thought, Adam and Eve, what a snooze fest. <laughs> what more can be said about this passage? What more can we really dig into it? Because it's kind of just something that we kind of gloss over. Not many of us um, go back and look at creation. Or maybe if you start a Bible reading plan, you know, you start in Genesis and then you're done by like Genesis chapter 30. You know, you're done with it. But I found that I looked at this story. Okay, God, I really need you to show me something new in this text this week. I really need you to open my eyes. What is going on in my own life, in my community, in my country, in the world that allows me to see this passage differently. And I have found that those times when I approach Scripture like that, with this kind of openness, this this, like, God, I, I want you to reveal something to me. Like when I have my mind and my heart ready, that's when I feel like the Holy Spirit moves the most. And in fact, this week I really needed God to show up and show me something new in this text, because on Wednesday I discovered that I had been actually preparing a message on the wrong scripture because I looked at the document there was a little bit of air in our like shared document and so Monday through like Wednesday mid-morning I was all about Joseph and I was getting it and I was on that track and then I was like oh gosh so I had to shift I'm like okay God I need you to show up because unlike Scott I usually get my sermon done in the beginning of the week and he gets done like Friday or Saturday so um so we're going to go ahead and jump into uh, this story, Genesis 2, 18 through 24. And I'm going to be reading from the contemporary English version. And I do want to say, um, just because we're going to be talking about Adam and Eve, um, I may periodically say man and wife, man and women looking at the relationship, but and that's not my intention. We're looking really at relationship between people. And so I just wanted to say that from the beginning because I know people sometimes get a little hesitant when we talk about the story of Adam and Eve. So let's go ahead and look. This is Genesis 2 verses 18 through 24. The Lord God said, it isn't good for the man to live alone. I need to make a suitable partner for him. So the Lord took some soil and made animals and birds. He brought them to the man to see what names he would give each of them. Then the man named the tame animals and the birds and the wild animals. That's how they got their names. None of these was the right kind of partner for the man. So the Lord God made him fall into a deep sleep and he took out one of the man's ribs. Then after closing the man's side, the Lord made a woman out of the rib. The Lord God brought her to the man and the man exclaimed, Here is someone like me! She is part of my body, my own flesh and bones. She came from me and man, so I will name her woman. That's why a man will leave his own father and mother. He marries a woman and the two of them become like one person. So again, I've read this story countless times, probably like you. And so I kind of want to start with this fairly obvious and basic reading of it first. And And when I read this, or maybe when you read it, you immediately notice that the creatures of the earth and the birds of the sky, when God created them, and he created man, they were very different from one another. Very different. Maybe they shared some similarities, and and they were both good creatures for sure, but they weren't exactly the same. God is still asking, how can I find a suitable partner? How How can I make someone that is more like the man? So God is asking himself, I know this man needs someone that is the same. And so as we continue to read, Adam is put in a deep sleep. And God takes one of his ribs to form another being like him. And now we know that men don't have less ribs. We, as Methodists, we don't read the scripture as literal. This is how it happened. But I think it's important with passages like this to say, okay, I know this isn't exactly really verbatim how it happened. But what is this text really trying to say? As I dig, as I ask questions, as I look, there's still something in this. Even if I don't agree exactly how it's laid out, I know there's still something in it. And that's how we need to approach a lot of Scripture. But when I look at this, this creation between man and woman, and I look at it, and I say, man, this story is a catalyst in how we understand relationships so immediately I see this connection between Adam and Eve. They are innately connected. You can't really separate them. These two beings are so radically different from everything else that God had previously created. Now, I know that male and female are different. I know that. But when it comes to like our bones, there's the tiniest differences. The tiniest See, Adam and Eve, they share in something that hadn't been shared in before. Yes, they are, they are similar to some creatures. There is some similarities, even in bone structure. But we still know that they are set apart. They're in their own camp. But here's what's important. They're in their own camp together. It isn't Adam over here and Eve over here. They're together. Now, this passage is often used for justification that males should be above women, that they have authority over women. But when I was looking and reading, because I'm like, I got to dig into this, because this, again, this passage gets me a little prickly. When I was looking at my Jewish study Bible, it talked about how really this sheds light on, on the human male, how he was different from the animals and the creatures, because the man or people were meant to be linked to one other person, one partner. Unlike in the animal world where they have partner and different partners all the time. So I immediately say that we are to be linked to one another. Not above anyone, but linked to one another. To be connected and to be equal. So Eve, this woman, is not this helper. She's not this sidekick. She's not this afterthought. In fact, the, the Hebrew name for her, it's, it's really God's help. And actually, any time uh, the Hebrew term was used, Ezra Konegdo, I probably totally butchered that, when that, that first part, Ezra, is, is used in other parts of Scripture, it's really um, in form of military, kind of, a warrior. And so women are these warriors. So yeah, we're not less than. We're not less than. And so I, I realize that this passage, when you, when you start to look at it, that males are above women, that have authority, are more important, that you can start to really declare that one is better than the other. You can really use this as a case to, be treat, to treat others less than you. That you can put people down, that they are below you. And unfortunately, when you look at this book, this Bible at first glance, when you read stories, when you just glance over them and you don't dig, you don't ask questions, you can use scripture as a weapon to treat others pretty poorly. And that's why we should read it time and time again and dig deep and ask questions and research and look at the context. Now we're in, we're in chapter two of Genesis. We're in the very beginning And right after this, we start to see people starting to think of themselves better. We have people picking favorites. We have people ranking. We have people not respecting and honoring one another. I will admit that horrible things take place in this book. And I think it stems from us wanting to have power over one another and us having this thirst to be thought of better than someone else. That is really one of our first sins. But if we were to focus and remember the first few chapters of Genesis, we would see that we were meant to be linked, that we were meant to be united, that we were meant to be one. We were meant to look at one another as equals and the same. See, in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, we see family trees, and there are these long, exhaustive lineages, and I'll admit I skim over them. But if maybe we were to chart them out, maybe you're really into your own family's genealogy and you love to chart this out and see how you're connected to people and how you come from different countries and how these families got united. If we were to look at this, you would see, oh my gosh, look at all these connections. Now hopefully um, your family tree doesn't just go up, it goes out. Hopefully it doesn't look like the Game of Thrones family tree. But I think when we lay it out, you see, oh my gosh, gosh, we are a family. We belong to one another. And it's this powerful connection, not only to one another, but to the God who created us, knowing that we come from the same source, from the same being. I mean, goodness, I get excited when I'm on Facebook and maybe I have a new friend and I click and I'm like mutual friends and I find that they're connected to the most random people that I've known maybe from 10 or 15 years ago, I'm like, how do you know this person that I knew when I lived in California or this person um, that now I know lives overseas? Or how do you know this person that I worked with one summer in Arkansas? It's crazy how connected we are. And it's wonderful. It's this beautiful, wonderful thing to see how much we are connected to one another. And so that's why I think it's so important never to forget that we are connected. See, we love to preach about the body of Christ and how all the different parts are needed and vital to everything working together. And that scripture is true and it's right. And even that that says, like, no part is greater than the other. It really supports this idea of how equal we are and how much we're needed together. At least that we were intended to be on this equal ground. But I'll say, if I look at that with a critical eye, and you think, well, I'm the, I'm the leg and I'm the eye and, and, and I'm this. You start to sort people out. You're this and I'm that. She's this and he's that. That can even start to break apart our connectedness. We'll in Paul in his letter to the church in Ephesus, how Paul lays out that some are meant to be prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists. Again, that can even start to sort people into categories. And I think from then it was meant to be this equal thing like, look, you're all gifted. But somehow, again, we have this hunger and thirst to be better. You think, well, the pastor is more important or the evangelist is more important. So then we start to rank and we sort and divide and we label. And, and I don't have to tell you this, but as humans, we want to know why we're unique. We want to know why we're special. We want to know why we're better than someone else. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't think of yourself as smart and capable and gifted. But where's this balance? So we have to watch ourselves that we don't think of ourselves higher and better or more deserving than something. And I have found this is especially hard and tricky when we, when we teach and talk to our children. But of course, we want them to feel like they can conquer the world. I want Andy, Jane, and Jude to think that they can do anything. Of course I do. But how do I balance not making our kids arrogant or that maybe, I don't know, off the top of my head, that they don't sing songs about themselves, I don't know, in the kitchen that says, I'm the cutest person or cutest girl in the entire world. I don't know. Just an example that I might have heard recently. You know, I kid about this, but I think our kids, even from a young age, the way we talk to them, what we read to them matters. See, I believe that kids need to go into the Lord knowing how dearly loved they are and how much they have to offer. And so does everyone else. That they are of sacred worth and so is everyone else. How do I make this equal ground for them? Where they feel special and like they can do it all, but that others around them can too. See, what I was struck by most is in this beauty of the story of Adam and Eve, or really just the concept of two people, is the way how much they admired one another, how they viewed one another, that they were together and that they were called to love one another, respect one another, care for one another, and be as one. And we look at this um, as an example of what marriage is to be in terms of how we care and love for one another, not in whom we're allowed to marry. But I think this passage really goes beyond marriage. It, it, it is for relationships. We were not created to be alone. We were created to be part of a community, a family, to have companion, um, companions. We were meant to love and care for one another deeply. And when we start to live this life of every, every person for themselves, we go against how God set things in order from the beginning. And I think that's where we've kind of gotten And I know you're thinking, what in the world does this have to do with bones? So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to think of someone right now, looks wise, that looks very different from you. And then I want you also to think of someone that simply is just different than you, has different interests. And I want you. to peel away their name, their status, their achievements, their wealth, their education, what they look like. Now, I know you're thinking, oh, Reagan, this is dangerous, but hold on. I just want you to peel everything that makes them, them. And I want you to think about what makes you, you. And I think when we physically strip all that away and we literally open our insides I'm not going to show a picture or anything, but when we literally open up our, the inner workings of our bodies and we just see bones, are we really that different? Now, please hear me clearly. I'm not saying don't see color, don't see someone's sexuality or abilities. I have learned, I hope all of us have learned, that is incredibly insulting and harmful and does not help the conversation. What I am saying is though that we have forgotten that we're all made of the same structure, that we all have the same bones for the most part and organs and nervous systems. But when I really think of the things that hold us up and allow us to do things and achieve things, our bones carry us, our bodies, our bones make so much possible and we all share those. We all have them, we all have bones. And yes, this is such a simple concept, but sometimes we need to look at the most simple things and be reminded because when I focus on what is really alike, what is the same, I remember that, gosh, we really are created in God's image. We all share in God's image. And I think we have gotten away from this, and we've been away from this for a long time. Every single one of us carries the image of God. God. And because we have forgotten this and and how connected we are, we see how, you know, we see how we treat one another, especially those who look different from us, especially people of color. When I look at that, we forget. I mean, it pains me. And so I have to ask myself, how can I see God in every single person I encounter? Every single person that I see and I know and I engage with, how can I be reminded that every person is a child of God created just like me yes I know we're not exactly the same but there is something to be said of us having the same beginning coming from the same being in closing today I want to just pretend for a second just for a second can you imagine just for a moment if we had the mindset that we really came from just two people That we really were family. That we all shared something in common, that we were all united, that we were all one. That when we saw something happening to a fellow brother or sister, whether it was an injustice or they were sick in the hospital, no matter what color or country of origin or gender or sexuality or anything, that we would feel like it was happening to us, that we would realize, no. That I'm horrified, I'm outraged, because that's my family, that's, that's my family, that's, that's happening to me and my family. That we would say that, gosh, we really are brothers and sisters, truly. Well, my friends, I wish we didn't have to pretend in this sense. I wish we would remember that we have the same father that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, compelled to love and care and respect and fight on the behalf of one another. We are neighbors, and we're called to love our neighbor. I want to go back just one more time to what Adam says about Eve because I think it's really important. He sees a woman, he says, here is someone like me. She is part of my body, my own flesh and bones. So what if, what if we viewed everyone as our own flesh and bones? How would that change things? I know it changed things for me. So man, I I long and pray for the day when we look at one another and each other and say that and believe that that we're part of one another, that we belong to one another. And so I ask you, will you feel this truth today all the way to your bones? I hope so. Because our neighbors are crying out to us today saying, will you see me? Will you love me? Will you hear me? Will you fight for me? Their bones are crying out to us. So as people of the gospel, will we respond to their cries? Let us pray. God, thank you for the way that your words, the way that you move in the world continues to be convicting and challenging and comforting. Lord, I admit the ways that I've ignored my fellow brother and sister, that I have failed to see the image of you in them. I pray that we would be a people known for caring and loving, for that we would love one another the way that you have taught us to love one another. Thank you for making us so beautifully, so intricately and the way that you've connected us to one another. May we know that and believe that and live that out. In your name we pray, amen.